Hey, Slip Bangle. It's Abe here. It's Monday the 12th, and tonight Apex Pro did a webinar with Matt Busby of NCM Motorsports Park that we thought would be highly relevant to this week's show because Gridlife is going to NCM this weekend. There are portions of the show where Busby does some video analysis, and I'm going to include on the tracktune.com website the video of the webinar in case you're interested in seeing that uh, video analysis. But uh, we really like talking to Busby and Andrew Rains, so we thought you might enjoy this show. Um, both Adam and I are going to be at NCM, and we're going to be bringing some slip angle t-shirts that are available for sale if anyone wants one that doesn't already have one. Uh, find us in the paddock and uh, say hi, and uh, we can get you a shirt. And uh, we really appreciate all of you listeners, uh, the Patreon folks, FCP Euro and Apex Pro. So uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Did you grow up wanting to be in motorsports? Like what was your exposure to motorsports before NOLA? Yeah. So I, I was really fortunate to where I got to be around it a whole bunch. Um, my uh, grandfather um, was a, you know, is a big alpha guy and raced, uh, was a part of a race. He, he was in the service um, um, right after the war. And uh, he was part of a race at Silverstone where his job, like he was in a car where he was the fuel pump, like back, it was that long ago in those kind of cars where he was <laughs> the one having to like actually crank the fuel Turn it, crank. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was kind of into it. My dad was really into it. Um, I grew up watching like um, Speed Vision, Formula One, all that kind of fun stuff and just was just fascinated. I, you know how it is, like when you become like you get introduced to that car thing really early and it's just infectious. And, and once you're infected with it, you can never get rid of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my, my story is not too different. It, it didn't start in my grandfather's generation, but my dad's generation, and it just, they feed you a little bit of exposure to cars and it sticks. And all of a sudden it's like, this is all, this is all I want to do. That's all I think about. And every dime I have goes to it. Yeah, That's right. Absolutely. And that's uh it's definitely uh, an infection that we that we all have, but trying to get the best out of it. So, tell us about your current uh, role at NCM. I know that um, you've been there for a while, and obviously we've gotten to know each other doing events there, and um, obviously love the track. And I'm I'm particularly not that experienced though. I've I've ridden with you on the track. I've talked to you before about how to put together a fast lap there, but tell us your experience and background, and then we'll jump into helping those uh, folks who are who are going to be there, particularly for the first time, but really anybody that wants some go fast tips. Sure. So um, I've been at NCM uh, seven years in March. So it's uh, it's been seven years. Um, I got hired on as the track operations manager under Mitch Wright um, when the project was still dirt, no buildings, no asphalt had been poured, only a concrete wall and a whole bunch of grading work. So, uh, you know, my job had, had always been kind of like, all right, how do we you know, how do we fill the calendar? Who, who's going to do our flagging? Who's going to do our fire? Who's going to do our medical and just putting together that whole team and, and setting up the building blocks to, to run a safe and, and, uh, and, and fun operation. And so I've driven, uh, I've driven NCM uh, as dirt, um, as a first course of asphalt on asphalt. Like I've drawn it, driven it in a forklift and a tractor and a truck and a Corvette, like, <laughs> I I've seen that racetrack. I've walked it a hundred times. Um, I've seen that racetrack from, you know, every different angle that you can imagine. Um, and you, I, I guess I kind of underestimated how important that kind of stuff is like, like recognizing weird camber things in the asphalt when you're looking at it from, Oh, Hey, there's a, a sinkhole that opened up behind the armco and you look back at the racetrack and like, huh, I didn't realize it did that, you know, kind of thing. So um been really fortunate to have, uh, be in a car doing, uh, we, we do touring laps, hot laps, um, you know, participating in events myself, um, you know, in right before COVID, uh, there were probably three days a week, every week, all season where I was in a car for probably four or five hours on track, 
um, doing something with, you know, a customer coaching, something like that. So um, I I think it's pretty fair to say I probably have a few thousand laps around that place, regardless (laughs) of how fast they're in, what equipment they're in. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you get a real appreciation for, uh, for a facility like that when you, you can see it from different angles and you're not rushed, right? Like you just show yeah. up and all right, it's time to go fast, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's, um, I've, I've had a similar experience, not on that level, but with my, you know, local tracks, Barber Motorsports Park and, mm-hmm. um, Scotty Elkins who hopped in the comments is going to be, um, shooting some pictures this weekend, uh, at grid life. And he's real familiar with Barber as well. Um, uh, but uh, it is funny when you can get out and you can actually stand and you can look like counter race on the track, you know, looking the opposite direction the track goes or just get those different vantage points, things that you pick up, which is exactly why I wanted to to um, to talk to you about this tonight, because I know you're going to add color to some things that I might think about and still kind of an elementary way when I think about um, NCM uh, and certainly we'll be able to to answer. But real quick, before we jump into the track, how did you get started driving yourself? You know, you been involved on the operations side running the track um whether it's NOLA or ncm but when did you first get behind the wheel and kind of get interested in that element yeah i've been karting for quite a while um i did the rotax series for a long time um and kind of jumped into uh did some formula car stuff here and there as as i had opportunity you know um you know it it gets really expensive really (laughs) fast then you, you you move from opportunity to opportunity and and finding graciousness in other people um you know, I've, I've been really fortunate in that aspect to, to have driven Ferrari Challenge cars, a Daytona prototype, you know, some really, really cool things, Porsche Cup cars. Um, and, and it's all on the on the generosity and, and graciousness of, of other people. I certainly can't afford seats in any of those things. <laughs> um, so um, it, it kind of uh, evolved from karting first and foremost. And I still, you know, I think anybody that really like, um, did any kind of like kart racing, it's, it holds a different and special place in your heart. It is very different when you get to a really high level in karting, um, from car stuff. Uh, but, uh, I, I miss it a bunch. Um, but from there, you know, always owning my own cars, you know, wasting a, a tremendous amount of money. Have you ever played that game where you think about every dollar you've ever spent on any project car and then like, how much money would I have if I hadn't have done that? You know? <laughs> oh um, yeah. So that's a really dangerous game. Uh, but no, just having a lot of really cool project cars over the years and, and making a lot of mistakes. And, uh, you know, I've, I've wrecked some things in my day and, uh, and I've had some success in some things. And I think that's just part of the process of, uh, becoming a driver and knowing when it's uh when it's time to take chances and when it's not time to take chances awesome yeah i definitely looked back at some project cars and wondered uh what that amount of money would be if i still had it because i was also into alphas which turns out is an expensive uh expensive hobby i had a, had a couple of alphas you mentioned that uh earlier about incredibly expensive yeah. i've been looking for a gtv for years and they just keep getting higher and higher and higher I had a, and this again, going further from the topic, but I had a beautiful, I had two GTVs. One was a, a race car and one was a street car and the street car oh, had yeah. a EFI conversion. So it had a ECU uh, and it ran every time you turned it on, it ran. Um, it had some goofy uh, fueling issues when it got really hot, it would vaporize the fuel. If it's you want to run like high octane fuel, like it literally right. needed race fuel. Um, shit. <laughs> but man, I, I daily drove it for six months, had no rust. It was a California car. It had the motor rebuilt a couple of times had most of the synchro still in the gearbox uh, <laughs> and I, I probably shouldn't have let it go. Cause it didn't need a restoration. It was a, it was a driver quality car, but it wasn't a show queen. You know, it's like now I see the prices and I'm like, man, I really, I, I should have played the waiting game, but man, I've, I've laid bids on some of those cars on bring a trailer and like rusted out like projects, like bare, barely a usable frame for five figures. And it gets ridiculous. Oh man. Yeah, that's that's silly. I bought these car. I bought both cars, a trailer, and spares. You know, I don't even remember how many spares came with it for twenty grand. Um, oh my god! Back in two thousand and ten. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's changed. But uh, we already I already got some questions coming in. So I thought, um, uh, and, and and we got a couple of uh, uh, of the same questions. So we'll address both, uh, Chris, because this is a great this is a great entry point into actually talking about the track. Um, but let's let's address these and we'll come back to Matt Williams question here in just a second. But both Jim and Chris asked uh, something along the lines of, hey, this is my first time at NCM. What should I expect? 
um, what spots are good for spectating. And then Jim said, this is my first time in NCM, what corners to be more careful in, what corners should I be careful uh, about driving? So all of them from there. Uh, so <laughs> spe- spectators is an easier question. So I'm going to take that one first. Uh, we have two observation decks, one on top of the Holly tower, and then one on the back of the garages. And then we have a couple of like um, kind of hill areas uh, one overlooking the two, three area, which is pretty cool. And then one overlooking the chicane um, right down at the end of the RV area. So the racetrack is, uh, especially the east side, um, there's not a whole lot of like seating. There's actually no seating, um, but there are a, a, a whole bunch of places because it's a whole lot of racetrack on a really small piece of property, uh, a whole bunch of places to where you can kind of like find a spot in the shade and just kind of watch for a little while. Um, we're hoping to change that here in a little bit uh, over the next couple of years. But, uh, but yeah, no, um, the, the places you need to be careful around one, uh, around uh, NCM, um, there are more corners you need to worry about than corners you don't need to worry about. That's the, the real answer to that. Um, like I said, that the reality of it is there, it is a lot of racetrack on a really small piece of property. So there are a lot of barriers to keep you from getting to, parts of the racetrack that are really, really close together. Um, people don't realize that turn four and turn nine are only about 45 feet away from each other with the way the racetrack kind of lays on itself. Um, so there's a lot of Armco, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of concrete. And, uh, with that, it's, um, it's the kind of place that, uh, that you have to be really, 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 uh, specific as to where you're putting the car, where you're taking chances. Um, it is very much the kind of racetrack that to be at the really point of en- pointy end of any field, it's a high risk, high reward kind of situation. Um, but, uh, at, at the same time, um, you, you want to, you kind of need to creep up on it. It's not the kind of place that even, you know, some really, really high level pros, uh, that, that we see in, uh, in testing and everything like that, um, you know, they need, they need a day to, to figure the place out. So, um, you know, another big thing that kind of, um, throws people for a loop, you can kind of see here, um, where the front straight turn 12, turn nine and turn four are all kind of in line with each other. You get a lot of visual cues a few times a lap. So you can find a tree or a sign or, a you know, a corner stand or something like that. Like, Hey, I think I've seen that before you have. And, and that makes it tough for people. And especially as you're learning, uh, learning the racetrack and to figuring out, Hey, where am I? You know? Yeah. And that, that's a really good thing to mention. Cause any, anytime a track doubles back on itself like that, and I'll circle it. Um, we're looking at some apex pro data. Thanks to Steve Pruden for sharing his, uh, Specky 46, uh, data from a couple weekends ago. Um, this is the section that Matt was talking about turn nine, turn 12 and the front straight where they're kind of all lined up. And anytime the track, a racetrack, not just NCM, but anywhere doubles back on each other, you're going to have cues as a driver on track. You're going to be able to see corner stations that apply to another part of the track that you haven't gotten to yet. Uh, and this is, if you, anyone that's watching has been to VIR, when you go down the front straightaway at VIR and pass start finish, if you turn your head to the right, you can see every corner worker station between you and basically the lower S's. Uh, and that's just an awesome thing to get used to doing, especially when you're learning a new track. So that's uh, that's really good, good advice there, Matt. I figured I'd pull up the, the data just for a, when we overview the track here. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely one of those, um, one of those things that, um, makes it difficult to like, just show up. You know, I think a lot of people, especially in like a race scenario, we've seen it a bunch with, um, uh, other organizations like NASA, SCCA, things like that, where we've hosted wheel to wheel races and, and folks, um, especially in our, our part of the country, feel like we, we had this one guy and his home track was Roebling. And, uh, you know, he, he just kind of felt like he could go out and figure it out in two laps. And, you know, I think he made it three corners before he was pointed the wrong way in the back of the Arco. So it, it's one of those things that you can't just like show up and attack. You really have to, yeah. to incrementally find time and then figure out, hey, I can take more chances here and it'll yield me time. I can take more chances here and it'll yield me time. Um, and it just, yeah. just takes laps. Yeah, absolutely. The, the one thing that I'd, I'd kind of mentioned from my study of the track is as I mentioned before, I'm not, I'm not super knowledgeable on this track. 
uh, and been trying to pick people's brains like Matt and, and other folks I know who have a lot of laps here. But there's several corners on this track. Uh, Matt, maybe like um, turn um, turn eight uh, and maybe turn uh, going into the sinkhole, uh, maybe an easier reference. Um, and there's, there's other places as well where the car gets light and you're going to have steering input in. And until you really understand how to position the car appropriately and maybe to ask the car to do a lot more turning before the car goes over some sort of a crest, there can be some really challenging moments. And I'm particularly thinking about turn eight right here as you're trying to put the power down yep. uh, and then going into the sinkhole where you really need to ask the car to turn maybe more than you would if you're looking at it from a geometric perspective, because as you exit the corner or at the middle part of the corner, the chassis is going to get light. You're going to lose grip and lose steering effectiveness, and you want to be neutral with your inputs. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think the way, and this is just my personal, I think, style is um, there are a handful of places, eight being a perfect example, single being a perfect example, where um, I like to approach them from a, a, I need to steer this car or I need to balance this car with my feet and not my hands. So my hands are going to stay steady state, but I'm going to make changes mid corner with what I'm doing with my feet. And I think that can be a little bit of a, an adjustment for some folks who are a little bit uh, newer to, to this place. There's a, a few places, um, the, the run from uh, uh, two, three onto that kind of like that back straight. Um, it's one of those exact wrong scenarios that if you've ever gone to like Skip Barber or Bob Bonneron or something like that, one of those schools where you want, you don't want steady state steering while you're adding more throttle, right? That's a recipe for disaster. Well, right. you have to do that through three, you know, yeah. you're, you're either steady state or adding a little bit more throttle while you're asking for more and more and more, uh, uh, more steering while you're adding for uh, asking for more and more throttle. Um, eight's one of those places, sinkholes, one of those places to where you can get into a lot of trouble really quick. If you're not, uh, if you're not comfortable with the car, just being a little bit out from underneath you. Yeah. Yeah. Respect the friction circle and, and be intentional about setting the car up in those areas so that, that you can steer the car with your feet and you're not at the absolute ragged edge laterally. Cause I, I see that a lot, Matt coaching drivers is people not necessarily recognizing or maybe not rising to the point with their knowledge in the sport um, to recognize that when you're at maximum lateral grip, you know, if you're at the absolute lateral edge of what the tire can give you, let's say it's 1.5 G you can't ask the car to do anything longitudinally, which would be an adjustment on our pedals, right? Because the tires right. are very close to its limit. So that's the recipe for understeer or oversteer. So in those types of corners, I think what I'm hearing you say, Matt, is, is think about how you're going to position the car and, and be intentional with your steering and then be deliberate with your pedals to manipulate, uh, manipulate the chassis and um, respect the, the balance. Sure. Uh, I, one of the, the greatest examples in, Man, I, I probably go over this every week. Um, the entry into sinkhole is one of the questions that I get asked all the time. And the answer that I have, or at least the way I, I talk about driving it, is um, you, your hands get to about 15, 20 degrees. And, you know, it's one of those corners that it's a really long radius, uh, constant speed corner to where, you know, you can do stuff. You can try to drive the car hard, really, you know, really hard in and rotate the car. You can try to do goofy stuff with your feet real early and try to, you know, rotate the car and everything like that. But the, the reality of it is because it's such a long radius, it's find the point of steering and just balance the chassis and just wait and wait and wait and wait. But as you crest the hill, you don't move your hands. You just breathe the throttle just a hair. And as you breathe the throttle, the car lurches just ever so slightly to the right enough to where it pulls you where you want to be as you crest the hill to open your hands and get on throttle and, and rock it down the hill. So it's it's one of those things where the the subtlety and where you lift and how you lift and and we're not talking about like a, a hard hundred to zero lift. We're talking about a thirty percent throttle to fifteen percent throttle and back to thirty percent. It, it, it's it's really small subtleties like that that this place really really uh um you know rewards awesome well that's that, that's really good info we've, we've got some good questions coming in so we'll jump into those real quick and uh, i never mentioned it at the top of the show but in case you're joining you haven't been with us on facebook live before i'm andrew rains i'm with apex pro we make intuitive motorsports data products we're here to help you make the driver mod that's kind of our goal 
And Mr. Matt Busby, who I can confidently say has made the driver mod and, and is, continues to make it because I've seen him drive, uh, <laughs> is, here, is here to help us uh, do some learning and do some teaching on, uh, on National Corvette Museum. So don't hesitate to jump in the comments. I'm going through comments. I'm a little bit behind right now. I see lots of questions coming in, um, but we'll, we'll get to you uh, by, the, by the time we wrap our show. And Matt's also got some video to share with us. But um, our buddy, Matt Williams, who we will see this weekend uh, driving a fit, uh, says, is power available to rent in the main paddock, you know, for party reasons? Yes, see our contact Adam or Chris. I don't know who handles that. And I'm sorry, Adam or Chris, if I referred a lot of people your way that I shouldn't have. But uh, Gridlife has all of the garages and all of the RV sites uh, for the weekend. So if you want either, get with them. They are the keys to that castle. Adam just jumped in. Mr. Adam Jabay, thanks for being on. He said RV spots are for rent on our site. There uh, you so go. Gridlife, guys. Uh, check out grid.life, go to events, uh, and look out, uh, look out for the details. Also, the schedule for the weekend is there uh, and all sorts of good stuff. Uh, next question here from Bo Adams. He's got a, a Porsche Boxster GLTC car. Best places to set up a pass on Andrew Rains. <laughs> well, I wonder if we should be careful answering this one. Yeah, so I'm, I've got a lot of people that are going to kind of be a little annoyed with me on giving this one away. Um, but the run from seven to eight is uh, one of those where um, turn seven is uh, downhill off camber. At the apex of seven, it goes, it transitions to uphill on camber. And what most people do, like the fast way through that, is to um, to arc your arc the car to where your mid track maybe just a hair over to the right to set up for the left of turn eight, because you can see here in the, in the map, the left of turn eight, the, the entry to the corner is, uh, is really shallow and then it opens up a whole bunch. Um, but what you can do is uh, you can just completely commit to just overdriving the living hell at a seven and it puts you all the way to the, uh, you can kind of see the curving in the map there. Mm -hmm. It puts you to the rumble strips drivers left um, on the entry to eight and it puts you on the inside of whoever actually set up for the corner and you could go through eight, you could go through eight at 10 miles an hour and whoever's on the in uh, the, whoever's to your right or behind you, right. they can't do anything about it. You just have to wait for them to, to get through the corner and then hope that you, you've got the, you've got the balls to run through all, all the way down to 10. But if you set it up right, you can, you can pick a ton of people off. Uh, on that run from seven to eight by just burying a ton of speed. Like I said, as, as seven comes at, at the apex, it goes uphill and on camber to where you can really do some really silly things and the racetrack just catches you. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I actually spoke with a couple people last week who mentioned that as, a, as an opportunity uh, for passing. So that's cool to there hear There was that. a time where it was kind of a secret thing. There was only a handful of people that knew about it, and they were really protective of it. But Maybe I'm asking the right people, or maybe they shouldn't be sharing <laughs> uh, the information. But, uh, Bo, you, you, know, uh, you know, if you can get me there, then, then bring it on. We'll see. We'll make it happen. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to racing with you, Bo. That's going to be fun. Uh, Mike Wilson says, NCM is my home track. Matt has a well-documented turn-by-turn video series. It's very helpful. Um, Mike, I'll, I'll link in Matt's uh, videos. I've been watching those on the NCM Motorsports Park page. Uh, Track Tuesday, very helpful uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, learned some stuff about pavement, asphalt, all sorts of cool stuff. Um, Mike says, question regarding Term 1A uh, and how much curb to take. I've heard him say a little or a lot, but not in between. Can you talk about that? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I feel like I need a little bit of visual aid for this one. So the video, um, yeah, we can, I think that works. Yeah. That's probably a better vantage point to talk about, uh, curb usage. I, I just exited my screen share. Great question, Mike. Uh, anyone else that's joining in, ask your questions in the comments. Uh, can you see me there? Got it. All right. So we'll get to right here. So I, uh, th there are a couple of different ways that you can do this. Um, what you realize as uh, as somebody who has been here since the place got paved, um, the paving for this racetrack happened in a straight line. So where the curbing starts 
all the way to where one B ends, right? So the paving is continuous in a straight line. Um, the chicane got paved independently, right? So there's some weird grade stuff that happens there. So you're either going to do what I like to do, which is just hop the curb, cut as much of the racetrack as possible. Um, for better or for worse, I've never had any race director call me on it. Um, or take as little curve as possible. Um, if you kind of do that halvesy thing where you're kind of like putting your car in the middle of the curb where you have two wheels in the asphalt and then two wheels on the curb, you don't recognize until you get up there that there's such a grade difference from the runoff to the racetrack that, um, that you'll actually like, I've got, uh, I tore a hole in a header by, by just, you know, dragging, dragging the bottom of the car across that curb over and over and over. Mm. Um, so the trick is either commit to jumping the car and you don't realize that, um, again, once you do it a couple of times, you can kind of see this dirt patch over, uh, over on the right of the curbing. Right. Um, if you hit the curb from there, um, the grade from the front straight to the runoff, which is driver's right of the curb, is actually way closer than the grade of the front straight to the actual racetrack driver's left of the curb. So it actually becomes a really, really smooth transition from the front straight into that 1A complex. And it has that added benefit of a, you can just roll way more speed this way. And B, you're not having to transition. You know, it's, it's less, less steering angle for the right, which subsequently means less steering angle for the left into 1B. Whereas the, the later you turn in for 1A, you have to add more steering angle and subsequently scrub more speed, which sets you up to where you have to scrub even more speed to make the steering angle work for 1B. So we're just opening up the corner we're making a straight line as much as possible of this. And so yeah. you can kind of see where the middle of the car is for me there. Um, and, and it's just, uh, it, it, it's really, really important for me and for my lap to, to really get here um, because my run, I've, I've seen it on data, comparing it to a lot of different people. Uh, Andy Pilgrim is one of them and some really fast cars. Um, I can make up a tremendous amount of speed from this point into the, the breaking of two by just taking four feet driver's rep, driver's right, as opposed to like putting in the middle of the car on the curb or uh, being all the way on the asphalt. Hmm. Let's see yeah, how will I have to actually bend the car to get to the left, which allows me to get to throttle earlier, which allows me to carry way, way, way more speed. It ends up being, yeah. um, uh, you know, we did some data comparison to somebody, you know, kind of using all of the racetrack uh, for 1A in a really similar car. It ends up being into the braking at turn two, almost an eight mile an hour difference, which is ridiculous. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find, and I've seen this before uh, with drivers who maybe just haven't learned uh, how to think the right way about certain parts of the racetrack, but because 1A is essentially kind of an entry speed corner, because your exit from 1B is what matters. Your, your ability to get on the throttle between 1A and 1B is negligible. You, re you really want to carry as high of a rolling speed through turn one as possible. And so opening up that radius even more just adds more value ultimately to the lap time. But you have the added benefit of balance that you talked about, which is essentially keeping a flatter car by adding less overall input, which lets you get a better exit. Um, right. So yeah. you, I remember when I sent you, I think I sent you some of my I don't know if I, I think I gave Eric the uh, apex you lent me back, but um, I actually use on my turn in again, I'm, I'm one of those people that's a really, really high wheel rate kind of person. So I throw the car, it's a carding thing. You just pitch the car <laughs> and um, I pitch the car into one a, and you'll actually hear me through, through the radius of one a actually on throttle. And I'm doing that not to accelerate. I'm doing that to balance the car. So, yeah. so the car, if I'm, if I'm really, really, you know, obnoxious with my hands and I don't have any weight on the rear, you know, it's, it's going to want to go around. So right. I actually use the throttle through that whole complex to, to balance the car more than accelerate where about right here is where I'm going to start picking up throttle in a, in an acceleration fashion, not in a, in a kind of a balanced fashion. And, mm -hmm. and this is the point I'm, I'm picking up throttle. Um, and, and you can see it's one of those things that I, 
I tell a lot of people that if you're using the blue paint on uh, on our racetrack, we have blue paint at some of uh, the you know quote unquote apexes. Um, if you're using the blue paint in 90% of the places, it's wrong. That blue paint is there like fantastically late in a lot of cases um, for the Corvette programs that we run. We have a Corvette school and they're the safest way through the corner. So nobody wrecks our stuff. So um, don't use those as gospel. Like I said, I'm on throttle here and, and consider that we haven't even seen the blue, you know, the blue apex marker through the curb. And I'm already on throttle where people are waiting all the way till about right here to, to pick up throttle to get through one B, which is yeah. a really, really big problem. Awesome. We'll, we'll go back to the questions, Matt, but the only, only thing I'll add additionally there is that your, your minimum speed in one A is really, is really high. You know, it's going to be north of 80 miles per hour in a, in a relatively high grip car. And, and you, you would know better than I would, but just from the data that I've seen. So that balance that you're talking about, if those, if y'all are listening and you're asking yourself, Matt said he went back to power to balance the car. That's because the power puts the weight on the rear and at high speed with a high wheel rate, the chassis is going to rotate. The car is going to turn more eagerly. And so he has to go back to power to make that happen. But, but the whole combination of that high wheel rate getting back to power means that he's probably rotating the car fairly quickly in a short period of time with a higher wheel rate, getting it ready to get an early exit, meaning getting on the power really early out of 1B, which is where he's going to get a lot of lap time, just kind of piecing that together. Um, yeah. So I, um, I have a propensity, like my style. Um, I'm probably a person that like, like I'm not the last of the, the late breakers, right. I'm a person that I want to get the car. My, my decel rate in the first hundred feet is really, really high. Um, but I'm one of those people that I want to get off the brakes as early as I can because a car in rotation is way happier off the brakes than on the brakes, right? That, that adds a whole nother level of, of, um, of math to the car and cars are really bad at math where mid corner, if I'm coming off the brakes while I have really high wheel rate, the car's just not going to be able to handle it. So I'm, I'm really, really careful about my, uh, my brake release rate in relation to my hand rate. And uh, it, it makes a really, really big difference as to, how much speed you can roll into some of these corners confidently uh, without uh, without upsetting the car or anything like that. You can see um, the way, you know, you kind of talk about uh, uh, speed through 1A. I'm actually in going over data with with some of my friends and, and some folks and looking for time for to go faster. I think I'm actually slow through 1A. So it's <laughs> one of those things that uh, that, you know, as long as you've got balance and as long as the car is happy, you know, um, you can do some really, really silly things when, when you open up the racetrack. Hmm. Awesome. Well, let's look at some questions here. We've got uh, Scotty Elkins jumping in. Um, Scotty's kind of our resident pro photographer at Barber Motorsports Park. If y'all uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you'll see me tagging him left and right because he takes some really killer shots. Uh, so make sure y'all, y'all see him walking around this weekend. Make sure you get some pictures from him. Um, he said, y'all just went uh, really fast on, uh, what he said, I just went really fast on my motorcycle so I could finish listening at the gym. So he's, he was riding uh, as fast as he could so he could get out here and, and listen to us. Um, he's wondering if that. Any, uh, yeah, that, that eagerness is good. Hope, hopefully it didn't break any laws, Scotty. Uh, he said, standout yeah. places for uh, photographers. Um, not much out there to reference it to being a new track for him. So he's wondering where he can go to get some pictures. Yeah, so there's a handful of places, you know, we're not like a VIR or Road America or something like that, where um, there are these like really awesome interior roads that you can kind of walk around and get to pretty much anywhere on the racetrack. Um, because the racetrack kind of, oops, uh-oh, because the racetrack kind of lays on itself uh, um, a few times, there's a handful of places that, uh, that, you know, you can kind of set up in that like Shire area of, um, of turn 12 and you can catch turn seven, turn eight, turn nine, turn 12, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And all you have to do is just kind of like rotate around. Um, so it's, uh, it's not the best place from a photographer standpoint, if you're not into like walking a lot. Um, otherwise there's like the spine of the racetrack from turn 10 
all the way up to turn 15 where you can kind of walk up and down and catch majority of the racetrack and still be able to get some really cool shots. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's great info. Scotty will be with us uh, taking some paddock shots as well and um, definitely highly cannot recommend his photography enough. Um, we've got, got another question from, uh, from Bo Adams and then one from Todd Cayley as well, both uh, GLTC competitors. And Bo is wondering, uh, kind of touching on something you mentioned earlier, Matt, but he's wondering, uh, let's see, I almost lost it. There we go. Uh, where, can, where are some fun spots to go in a little deep, maybe beyond what, you, what would be normal and let the track, camber, or hills kind of catch you? So where's some place that you can kind of uh, trust the track to go a little deeper on the brakes? I'll bring the track map back up here. Um, I believe that's the gist of what you're in. You can correct me in the comments, Bo, if I didn't get that right. But So um, the entry to 18 is one that I've found um, racing in different series here um, to where, uh, again, it's a really similar to like a turn seven, turn eight situation where for some reason, a lot of people like to set up really far drivers left. Like they'll break really early at 18 um, and set up really far drivers left to try to get a really good arc into that long radius of 18 into sinkhole that we talked about a little bit um, to where you can, again, be really, really obnoxious with how late you break and what your wheel rate looks like, um, you know, without obviously dive bombing somebody. Um, you, you can usually stuff it pretty good uh, there. Um, other than that, this is actually one of those places, this, this racetrack, um, if somebody really wants to make a car 40 feet wide, it's not that hard here. Um, there's a, a handful of places that if you're not, um, not perfect uh, in, your, in your execution and your, you know, your consistency over, a, you know, a five or a 10 lap, you know, race, um, to where it, it gets a little bit easier to pick somebody off. But if, uh, let's say I can go out and I can be within half a second or a second of a time from lap one to lap 10, um, I can make it really, really hard for anybody, even somebody that's, you know, a second or so faster than me a lap, I can make it really hard for them to get around me. Yeah. I actually did an entire webinar on that uh, topic with Robbie Foley, which is essentially how to get by a car that's only a second slower than you. Um, which is really relevant and out of class stuff. But I think, I think that'll be uh, with GLTC and a bunch of cars. Um, we'll get kind of mixed up at the start. That's going to be a really relevant thing is how do you get by? And, and uh, we'll go to Todd Cayley's question. Um, Todd actually won the weekend overall at NOLA in his S2000. And uh, he and I raced on track together a lot. And I'm sure he's hearing you say that, Matt, and he's going great. I was looking at the back of Andrew's car a bunch, even though he was way faster than me, had a lot of pace on me somehow I ended up in front. And so I might be having to make the car wide again. Hopefully I can, hopefully I have a little more mid corner grip to hang this time. Um, but Todd is wondering what curbs do you absolutely want to avoid? Uh, great question. Oof. Um, a lot of them. Uh, no, <laughs> I will say this is something that, um, you know, on the passing deal, this is something that uh, Tom O'Gorman and, and a few other guys have talked about with the, at length on, on just, um, there, there are some mind games that happen. Like you really have to crowd somebody's mirrors and make them make a mistake sometimes to get around people here, even like slower lap traffic that's significantly slower than you. And that gets really frustrating. Uh, but as far as curves, okay. The ones I absolutely want to stay away from are pretty much everything except for one a, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. The curbs here, are, uh, all of the rumble strips are, um, you know, they're the traditional FIA gator strips. So they are progressive in that um, the shallower you hit them, the less of a rise they are. And the faster you hit them, right? So like think about um, hitting a rumble strip and the the shock being able to keep up with going up and down, up and down, up and down, right? So if you hit it at 30 miles an hour, it's going to rattle a filling out of your mouth, where if you hit it at 130 miles an hour, it's just going to make a funny noise and you drive right over it. Um, so there's a handful of the uh, the rumble strips that you do want to kind of go over. Uh, turn four is one of them that kind of like it buys you just that 
just that one foot, one and a half feet of, uh, of, of track space. And in like a GLTC car, I don't think that that becomes as sketchy of a corner that bend around four into five, but in a car where you've got, you know, like a street mod car or a track mod car where you're, you're carrying 130, 140, 100, you know, 150 miles an hour in some, uh, some cases that bend that left, um, can get a little sketchy, uh, especially if you're like just mentally committed to staying flat. Um, so that, that foot and a half of rumble strip actually buys you a lot of, of that internal confidence. Um, the, uh, the rumble strip at, uh, and on the entry to 15 is another one of those where, um, I would, uh, you know, wouldn't hesitate at all. Again, I use it every time I'm, I'm, I'm using every square inch of that curb to soften the uphill of that. Cause I'm trying to, um, that's one of those high risk, high reward areas, um, in my car anyway, where that's 135 mile an hour, uh, left uphill. So I'm mentally trying to like, just convince myself to keep my foot on the floor as, as deep as possible before I, uh, I lift. And so using that rumble strip driver's right really gives me the confidence to say, Hey, look, look at how much easier this, this left is now that I'm, I'm over here. Um, the, there's a couple of people, uh, Tomo being one of them, uh, that, uh, absolutely clobber the curb at 21, which is just out of the sinkhole. Um, and they, you know, Tomo obviously makes it work because Tomo can make anything work. Um, I'm still not there yet. I, uh, I, uh, the, the joke I make, especially like with, um, you know, Andy Pilgrim puts out a lot of content about like the lap videos he does in the cars that, um, that manufacturers let him, you know, review and everything like that. And, the the half joke I make all the time is Andy Pilgrim can clobber that curb and the, the turn 12 curb all the time, um, because he's not the one that has to pay for it when it breaks. <laughs> um, so those, those are the kind of curbs that, yeah, they may be a couple of tenths faster, but they, they take, they take literal years off of your diff's life. Um, so, you know, use at your own peril. Um, one of the curbs that, um, if you really want the coolest picture in the world, like hit it. If you want the fastest lap time in the world, stay off of it is turn 12, the curb entering deception. Um, there are some really, really cool photos, uh, specifically from the SCCA time trial nationals of like, there's this one civic that has to be like five oh, degrees man. away from a complete rollover. There's no way he's not about to flip. Yeah. Right. Um, there's some really cool pictures of cars on two wheels, uh, in the air of, of people who have just absolutely no lift jumped that curb, um, which looks awesome but it is not fast at all um, to where, you know, that the longest straightaway on the racetrack is actually that run from 10 to 15. And so if you're um, if you're hitting that curve, you're actually having to wait. Uh, you know, we've, we've actually uh, in a plea to convince Andy that it's not faster. Um, <laughs> we've actually done the math where it's 125 feet of racetrack where you have to wait for the car to land and settle before you can confidently get to throttle in something with mm. a little bit of power. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's one of those things that I would stay as far away from the turn 12 curve as possible. <laughs> I was, uh, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, Ryan Finch jumped in and he actually, uh, he was driving a civic. The last time I was at time Tron nationals, he had a, his, his street car and he was one of the ones that had one of those just gnarly pictures of, being way up in the air. So I was, uh, I think that's a, a popular topic. It's, it's do it once for the cool factor, get Scotty to take a picture of you. And, yeah. Make uh, sure the photographer's there when you do it though. Like, you know, don't, don't waste it. Yeah. Scotty, if you're watching turn 12, I'm not going to hit the curb. I like my car. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it nice and uh, nice and tidy, but Todd said, got it. Send it over 12 deal yeah great we're <laughs> gonna have people roll over at 12 this weekend oh man uh emil tab uh emil i enjoyed listening to you on the track walking podcast that was uh that was good stuff he said since it's a gltc weekend of course it'll rain can you discuss how the track has evolved as far as rain dry lines go um 
The only thing I would say about the asphalt mixture is we've noticed that there is, as long as you've got a tire, especially like a Hoosier H2O, um, that moves a tremendous amount of air, or matter of air, uh, moves a tremendous amount of water, you're okay. Um, you can stay pretty much on traditional line. You still want to do the thing where you're kind of setting up, you know, as long as straight, straight lines as you can. Um, we haven't, we're not like a mid Ohio or, or some of the more established tracks where, um, a, the aggregate has been polished down, uh, to where they get really slick in the rain or B, we have a tremendous amount of rubber, like just ingrained in that asphalt to where it gets really sketchy when it gets wet. We're not there yet, yet. Um, I will, however, say that there are some areas that, um, depending on the rainfall, um, turn four on the entry to turn four there's a weird grade thing where uh you get a little a little bit of water that kind of comes across the racetrack so you want to really make sure that um that you have your hands straight going through there because it will you know we have had cars hydroplane there um water will pool at the apex of five the apex is 17 or i'm sorry the apex is seven um the ape or the exit of turn 12, like really far into the exit of turn 12. Um, the apex of 15, although we've spent a significant amount of money uh, trying to um, trying to combat that. And I think we've gotten that one figured out. And then the entry to sinkhole. So the exit of 18, right before pit in um, on the entry to sinkhole, uh, where the water just kind of runs across the racetrack uh, to the point where it will it will pick the car up to where you just have you, you're just along for the ride. So just be aware of those areas. Otherwise, the racetrack, from all accounts, has um, a tremendous amount of grip in the wet because it is larger aggregate. It is a special uh, blend of asphalt, and it just quite frankly hasn't been you know, it hasn't been 20 years. So we, we haven't lost that, that grip to it yet. So um, yeah, just, just keep that in mind. And it's just the normal rain stuff. Emil's really fast yeah. in the rain. Yeah. I, ironically, I've, I've done so few laps there, Matt, but somehow I've managed to drive it in the, in the wet and uh, it was particularly grippy compared to a lot of tracks. Uh, I think that was right around the time, right before Barber had been repaved with pretty old pavement. And it was pretty sketchy in the wet with lots of different sealers and pavement patches and NCM still a fresh surface. And um, that, that's interesting to talk about the bigger gradient because that I guess has less of a chance to kind of get polished down where a lot of the finer gradient tracks, if you go to mid Ohio, particularly or road Atlanta or VIR in the braking zone, you have a lot of that rubber that's filled in and tires that have kind of smoothed out the braking zones and you have to break offline, but it sounds like that's not, that's not the way it's going to be at NCM. No. So Fun fact, um, there are actually a, a handful of racetracks around the country that have been paved in the last 10 years. Uh, and I did not know this until after the fact that actually truck in aggregate from Kentucky because it is so uh, conducive to being mixed into the high, uh, the high tension um, asphalt mixes that most of the, the uh, asphalt contractors spec for these kinds of things. Um, so we've got like really, really cool aggregate and I didn't realize it until years into being at NCM that that, that was a thing, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. Kentucky is great for a lot of reasons, man. I'm, I'm, I'm telling yeah. you, but the, uh, the weather right now looks, so let's hope Emil's comment, uh, keeps us, you got to bring it up so that it doesn't happen. It's like packing your raincoat, bringing your rain tires. If you don't bring your rain tires, it's going to rain. Right. So yeah. Somebody so bring the rain tires. Somebody needs to take one for the team and buy a fresh set of reins to ensure that it does not rain on the weekend. That's right. I'll split. I'll buy one. If anybody else, we can find <laughs> three other people and we'll, we'll all share. We'll do kind of like a Chinese fire drill style deal with, uh, with our wet tires. But uh, Steve Pruden says track is great in the wet. Yep. Thumbs up. Um, Todd Cayley can confirm the river before the sinkhole. Uh, so we've got uh, some corroboration there. Uh, and then Emil says uh, three hearts. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> some love there. Um, was it, was Emil, was, was he, Emil, were you at the track today? Matt said there were some uh, case swap uh, Miatas there. I don't think Emil was there. I think uh, Emil was, um, Emil was working the grind. There were a handful of cars. Those cars are crazy, crazy fast. Um, Rob Manicherry was really generous to 
let me do a few laps in his and I, you know, he, I'm always, I'm one of those people that always takes it like really, really cautiously in somebody else's car, especially a car that I can't afford to replace. Um, but holy crap, those things are so fast. I, I like, I get it. I get like the balance of the Miata can, you know, mix with, with those motors. It, th those are really yeah. cool. Like packages buy one from the winning formula buy one. Absolutely. I had the pleasure of racing with Rob at Barber in, in 2019 and GP one and WRL. He had me on pace, you know, big time. He, he stretched a gap past me on, on the first lap. Um, I think I actually got by him at the start kind of pulled a gap in traffic, um, was pretty aggressive and made some good moves to get up front. And then he, he got me on pace and just gapped me. And then I ended up just playing traffic, right. And, and knowing the track really well, managing, managing traffic. And I caught back up with him and we actually raced for a little while, but as soon as the other guys got in the car, I think Emil was there. Aaron was there. I mean, they were like a second and a half quicker than we were, um, easily. And then probably were almost a second faster on average than, than my pace in our car. It was just, um, you know, it's similar spec car. Our car was fairly well optimized for that class. So it was, uh, it was cool, cool to see that cool to have a race with those guys. Um, yeah, they, they've, uh, they've done a lot of stuff with those Miata chassis and they've got a lot of, um, a lot of really smart people working on them. And, uh, I think they figured out a lot of secrets and I, I'm always amazed, uh, to see, uh, how quickly some of those cars can get around the racetrack. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fun to see. I think there's going to be some really fast GLTC cars this weekend. Um, Matt Williams says, is an evening track walk uh, permitted in CM or evening track walking? Uh, asking yeah. for a friend. Yeah, so um, we always leave the man gate open behind the Holly Tower uh, to where anybody can go out and walk it. Um, but it is a walking situation only. So please don't bring anything powered, right? So you can bike it, you can walk it, uh, but like a powered scooter or a golf cart or, a, you know, a one wheel or anything like that please nothing motorized because that puts us in some really awkward insurance things. Should you get hurt? God forbid. Um, but yeah, no, we always leave that man gate behind Holly tower open. So anybody can go walk it, um, have a beer while you're doing it. It's a lot of fun. It does take like 30, 45 minutes. Um, especially if you're like, um, I'm a note taker. So I like to like, um, I don't necessarily go back and ever read any of my notes, but if I write something down, it, downloads you know way more consistently so uh so yeah um you know have at it awesome matt and i were talking about that doing a little beer track walk so matt let's let's make sure we get together on that because i'm in and uh, i'm the same way i like taking notes i also like taking pictures on my phone like getting down low and something about a still picture it works differently for me than than uh the video uh, so just just some ideas to think about uh matt we've we've been at this for for a while now so we might um might wrap it up with some parting thoughts, but if you're uh, speaking to somebody who's coming to NCM for the first time, um, if you don't mind kind of hit the highlights, maybe like why, why NCM and not another track in the area or, or not necessarily not all as drivers, we all want to go to all the tracks, but what makes NCM special? And then let's, let's kind of close it out with just um, kind of the theme of the track or what you feel like is the, is the mindset and attitude you should have approaching it and, and maybe recap kind of um, what to be careful uh, about. Yeah. So it, it's definitely a racetrack that, um, it rewards patience, uh, but also rewards risk. Um, so there are some areas of the racetrack where you have to be really confident in where you're putting the car and how much speed you're rolling in. Um, but there's also some areas of the, uh, of the racetrack, like 18, like the uphill, the sinkhole to where, um, if you try to do too much, um, in forcing a car to do something or, uh, or trying to manipulate the car in the wrong place, it can actually cost you a tremendous amount of time. Um, so it just, unfortunately, the answer is it just takes a lot of laps to get comfortable with, um, where you need to be and where you, you can, um, where you can take chances, where you can't take chances, where, um, where you can be a little bit more, um, free form and where you need to be really stringent and specific as to, car placement, car speed, car, uh, car, uh, attitude. Um, the best advice I could, I could give anybody is, um, work up to it. Uh, don't go out and try to attack it your first five laps. Um, go out, get a feel for it. Um, sign up. I'm, I'm like, like 
seriously, not to promote Aaron's deal or anything, like go out, sign, sign up for the winning formula test day on Friday. And even if you only do five or 10 laps and then sleep on it, you'd be surprised as to how much information you're going to retain for the following day. And you're going to be able to apply to practice quality and, and the races uh, in GLTC, or um, if you're doing time trials, just figuring out where you're supposed to go, or if you're doing HPDE, um, you know, just making sure that you're, you're setting yourself up for a, a fun weekend. Um, you know, be prepared for sound. Uh, it's probably the one thing that causes the most stress in my life is um, the uh, sound limit that we have. It's a 103 at 50 feet on the racetrack. Um, for this weekend, we have a 59.9 uh, decibel limit into the neighborhood, which is right behind us. Um, if we go over that, um, it's kind of a really, really, really big deal. Uh, we don't want to have to like cross that bridge because it gets really, um, really difficult for us and really difficult for the promoter or the organizer. Um, so um, don't show up on plan A and have a plan B in the trailer. Show up on plan B. Be ready for sound. Um, show up on the quietest situation that you've got. I promise you, um, you know, I promise you the five or 10 horsepower you're going to lose over putting a big muffler or a baffler or something in the car is not worth, uh, not worth, um, the headache of having to be pulled off the racetrack or, um, us long-term having to, to deal with, with, uh, bigger sound issues. So, um, be prepared on that. You know, uh, trust me, it's, it's worth it for everything. Um, areas to, to, to focus, whether it's mine, um, there are a tremendous amount of, um, of really good in-car videos, any of the winning formula guys, anything from Andy Pilgrim, anything, um, anything of mine um, on the NCM side or, or anything like that. Um, just get a feel for car placement, not necessarily don't get hung up on speed or, or anything like that. Just get a feel for car placement at 12, at, um, at 15, um, the entry to 15, the middle corner of 15, 17, the S is onto the front straight. Those are the areas that we do the most coaching on six into seven. Um, those are the areas that we are constantly working with people on and car placement, um, car attitude and where you can get away with having a car that's a little bit out from underneath you, where you need to have a car that's really composed and ready to attack the next corner. Um, these are really, really important things when it comes to, to getting NCM right. Um, and you know, anything you can do, uh, to get as many laps as possible before the sessions that count, like I said, sign up for the Friday, um, really, really helps. Awesome. That's, that's, that's great info. I, I just dropped a link for the winning formula test day for the Friday, uh, test day. If you guys aren't already signed up, uh, I'm signed up, I'm ready to go. Was hoping to be up there last week and the car had other ideas, Matt. I was hoping to join you guys for a minute. Oh, no. Crank position sensor decided. It's brand new, but it wanted to not work, um, and it didn't have a little BMW logo on it. So there's a problem. Put a used BMW one on, and good to go. You rather that happen the weekend before than the during, right? Very true. Very true. So we're hoping the crank position sensor holds together. But um, re really good info. I also uh, dropped a link to the NCM uh, Motorsports Park YouTube page. Uh, I found that to be super helpful in preparing myself for the event uh, so definitely recommend if you guys have a few hours left this week uh, if you're you know kind of sort of working during the day or maybe you're laying in bed at night or whatever uh, check out their uh, their youtube channel for some of the stuff that matt talked about um, and if you've been on the broadcast with us you've probably heard the way that matt talks about driving the phrases that he uses go back and listen to that again and try to understand if you're still particularly if you've only been doing this for a couple of years some of the things that we talked about like kind of keeping the car flat or balanced or composed or ready to attack the next corner, like you just said, or some of these phrases, think about what that means to you. Uh, because the reason Matt says that is not just because that's a pretty word and it sounds cool. And it's because that's what he has learned from his experience to be the best way to explain to someone else what the car needs to feel like. And I guarantee you, if you go back and you sit on those words and think about those areas on the track, when you drive it, that'll start to make sense. Um, so thanks again for your time, Matt. I, I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you for having me anytime, man. 
Awesome. Any, any parting words for, uh, for the, uh, the rabid fans here on Facebook? Um, thank y'all for watching. And I am a big Jameson fan. If anybody's going to be here this weekend. Awesome. Bring, bring the man some, uh, some bourbon, some whiskey, uh, and we will, uh, we'll all have a good time. Dan DeSalle, thanks for, uh, thanks for jumping in. Uh, and everybody that commented, we'll see you next time. We've got Facebook live next week as well. Uh, for those of you that'll be a grid life, we will see you in the paddock. Let's have a drink together. Let's go walk the track. Uh, and it'll be uh, a lot of fun. Todd Cayley says, looking forward to seeing you again, Andrew, but not your taillights. We'll see how it goes, Todd. It, it'll be fun. I guarantee you that. All right, guys. Thanks, Matt. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. We'll see you again, Facebook. Thanks, man. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at Gridlife to say hello. Hello.